fam, and welcome to the Call Cheryl Hunt podcast, and I am your host, Cheryl Spears. Each week, we'll be sharing stories from people who have had firsthand experiences with MLMs like Beachbody or Body, and examine the questionable tactics used by some of the leaders in these companies. Please note that some of the content we cover may be disturbing, and we encourage you to check the show notes for disclaimers. Our aim is not to bully or harm anyone, but rather to educate and shed light on the truth. This podcast is not just an anti-MLM podcast. My goal is to help prevent others from falling into the same trap I did being a part of an MLM for eight years. Please keep in mind that the guests on the show are sharing their personal experiences and opinions, and the information provided is intended for informational purposes only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice. If you would like to share your own story, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at callsherylhine at gmail.com or feel free to DM me on Instagram at call Cheryl Hine or on my personal Instagram at Cheryl S. Spears. So sit back, relax, and get ready for an eye-opening episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on any of the valuable insights and personal experiences shared by our guest. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Hey fam, you are listening to the Call Cheryl Hunt podcast and I am your host, Cheryl Spears. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing one of my favorite people on the internet that I have met through Instagram, uh, Emily, and I'm just going to go let her introduce herself, herself because I can't do her any justice. So welcome, Emily. Can you Thanks. tell some, tell the people a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, Cheryl. Um, so... Uh, you know, I guess for your listeners, being in the anti-MLM space, I was in MLM for almost seven years, and I joined really because I believed all the hype. Um, I had a friend who I trusted, who seemed to be well, seemed like it was really the answer to like my loneliness and wanting more money and all of the things, right? Yeah. And for me, it actually did work. I was one of the very small percentage of people who I happened to get in at the right time. I had money. I had friends with money. And so I quickly escalated in the ranks. And so I really believed that if you were coachable, if you did the things you were told that it would work out for you. Yeah. And over the years, yeah, over the years, it was working for me, but I saw that it wasn't working for other people. Um. And so eventually I, you know, had to see the light and, and eventually left. So I, I I know that, um, I, most of the people that I have one here, uh, I've only, it it has not worked for them. So it's really interesting, you know, to actually talk to someone who did, it did. I'm always open to even talking to people that are in an MLM right now, that it's actually working for them, for them, you know, because I think people get this perception that I'm just this angry, bitter person that it didn't work for. So that's why I make this podcast, you know? Well, and and obviously it is going to be a smaller percentage because hello, like very few people succeed. So the people you're going to have on, it's like the very, very smallest percentage of people actually succeed. So of course they are going to be people who quote unquote don't, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I don't think, so I think for me, what I would really like to get into is, um, first of all, so people understand why we don't get too much into your story. I want people to understand why, because they're going to have to be referred to your book that is launching at the end of this month. Uh, Mm -hmm. I already have mine on pre-order. I do not read per se. I listen. So I'm super excited that it's on audio, um, on Audible. I've already ordered it. It's already ready. And it's supposed to drop on May 30th. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So I want people to understand why we're not going to go too much into your story because I'm pretty sure that that's what the book is about. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Can you tell the people what your book is? Yes. So it's called Hey Hun Sales, mm-hmm. Sisterhood, Supremacy, and the Other Lies Behind Multi Level Marketing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I can only imagine, what, but can you give us just a little bit of a snippet of what it is? Yeah. So it's first and foremost, my story. And again, there are really no books out there 
from a first person perspective of people who've been in an MLM um, for lots of reasons, for litigious reasons, for the fact that people are just embarrassed to talk about it. Um, yeah. And then it also is, you know, a polemic and a, an insider look, like a journalistic look at why these, why, why is a failing system and why people don't succeed. And the things I saw when I was in, it's really like a peeling the curtain behind the top earners that you see on social media. Oh, that's interesting because we don't get to see a lot of that, mm -hmm. you know, because one of the things that I do know is that a lot of the things that I share on, on social media is the top earners of what they do talk about. And I'm like, ah, this is actually what it means. And right. people don't hold, I mean, I do have people that, you know, do, do follow me. And I do have people that I've helped, you know, not join an MLM or either get out. Um, but there are people that do, like I said before, they're like, well, you didn't succeed. So you're just better. What do you say to people when they do? I've seen people on the internet say that you're bitter or they're disappointed in you. What mm -hmm. do you say to people when they, when they confront you about that? So my question is usually a question back. Like where are you getting it? Where are you getting that information? Because the, the people who I would say are most disappointed or, uh, alarmed or just like offended that I've written a book are the people who will probably never read it because yeah. they already have that thought stopping those thought stopping cliches they are already you know really influenced by their commercial cult that you don't listen to haters right yeah that any yeah. dissent is a so I would say you know if you're so if you feel so comfortable about what you're doing if you think everything you're doing is on the up and up it shouldn't matter what I have to say, but your yeah. defensiveness says more than anything. Yeah. And being blocked, you know, yeah. uh, they, you know, when people the other day, um, one of the, the CEO of all people actually limited comments on one of his posts. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why are we limiting comments on this post? You know, it's because they want to keep them in the echo chamber and they mm -hmm. don't want people to see you know, what others see the company for, you know? Um, so, wow, this is going to be really interesting. I can't wait to, to listen to your book and I can't wait to get the insider perspective of what it's like to be in the top. Can you tell people a little bit about why, I mean, it was working for you. So how did you, I, without giving away too much, Yeah. why did you just, I mean, did you see something on the internet that made you start questioning? Like, what was it? You know, I think from the beginning, I really ignored my own intuition. And part of my story is also my recovery story. I got sober yeah. halfway through, um, through my being in the MLM. Yeah. And so drinking was already like part of an escape for me. And so this MLM escaped for me. And when I got sober, I realized the first thing I realized was like, oh, wow. I can't send all those scripted cold messages. Yeah. I can't like send all those cringy texts. I can't post those cringy things on Facebook anymore. Yeah. And and so that was like my intuition coming back online. And I'm like, okay, I can't do that anymore. And then just slowly my eyes started being open and open to the fact that I was succeeding and my downline was not. And yeah. I saw with my own eyes doing all the things they were being coachable. They were, you know, duplicating the system of operation, all the things that I had done. And yeah. I was finally realizing like, wow, this worked for me only because when I got in, I, you know, had availability of everybody in the market and now it's all saturated and you know, all these reasons. Right. Yeah. Um, and then it was really COVID. I think that sealed the deal for me. And we all know what happened during COVID. It was just the blatant yeah. misinformation. It was the spreading of all these financial claims um, that had no yeah. backing to them. And I just couldn't, I couldn't be involved anymore. Yeah. I, I will say a lot of people, if you go back onto my social media on Facebook during 2020, I was part of the problem with mm -hmm. that. You know, um, it was, and, and I think for me, what it was is I had always been the person who worked outside the home. I've never been the person who wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, work-from-home mom, or like that. So I really don't know what my dream was while I was in an MLM. I think it was just so I could make extra money to live comfortably, you know? And 
when COVID happened, I immediately became the stay-at-home mom, the work-from-home mom, because I was able to do that. Um, and then um, for a portion of time during 2020, I ended up losing my job because my company stopped making the cell phones that I was training in the field for, LG. And um, for those six months that I was unemployed and on unemployment, I was the boss babe of the year. I was taking my business to the next level. I was, you know, and preaching all this financial freedom when I was on unemployment mm -hmm. and we were struggling, you know, but I, I, yeah, that opened, I would like to say that opened my eyes, um, but it was till the following year that it started really opening my eyes, yeah. you know? Well, and, and that, that speaks so much. And this is what I talk a lot about in the book too, that speaks so much to the fact that it's really systemic that yeah. we don't have systems in place to help us as women and the stay-at-home yeah. moms. And so yeah. it preys on our desperation. So of course you have this thing now that you're like, well, this is the thing I'm going to lean all in because mm -hmm. we don't have other options. And, and I always say like overarching theme is I don't blame anyone for believing these claims for joining MLMs for, because they prey on your hope that this yeah. is, is the solution and what other choices do we have? Right. You're, I mean, you're correct because, um, I, I mean, just, even if you think about it I mean, before the pandemic happened, there weren't a lot of working from home jobs were kind of cliche and were scams, you know, like if you really did go online to LinkedIn or Indeed and you were trying to find a work from home type job, you always ended up getting scammed by someone or just having like this, be on this list of like things that were just not real but now it's it's a real thing you know yeah. I work from home for my company and I enjoy it you know and I have I really do kind of have time freedom which is weird mm -hmm. when people because when I was in the MLM having time freedom was non-existent no I was always working I was never not able to everything was content I see all of my my kids on social media that I have shared, in some ways I'm happy that I shared it because I, I captured, I kept it, but I almost wish that I would have not shared it with the world, you mm -hmm. know, just had those videos because. And yeah, that's the whole time freedom thing is that's such a joke because yeah. it's not that you have time freedom. It's that now your time is completely dictated by the MLM. You're going to yeah. be answering texts and you know, it's work whenever you have time. It's not work in your free time. Yeah. It's work all the time. And, and the number of times, like I caught myself being distracted by my phone mm -hmm. and then, you know, supposedly doing this around my kids and then needing a babysitter. Cause I had to go to these retention events and, yeah. and it's, it's, it's such, um, it, it's just not true. And, and when you see yeah. people who are like working from the hospital or working on vacation, that is not what anyone wants to be doing. Yeah, no, it's not. And I, I was guilty of that, you know, and I can't, I can't even, so for instance, this past week, I have taken kind of like a social media detox. Um, and it has been because I have found myself, even though I've been out of the MLM for over a year, I still found myself consistently wanting to post, consistently having to show up, consistently having to, or else people would not like me or unfollow. Like, I don't know why, because there's nothing I'm really selling to them. I just want to share things with them, you know, but, and that's like in a non MLM format. I just want to share things with people. And this week has been so freeing because I've just, I've just been hanging out and yeah, I've been on social media, but I've just been looking at stuff and not really involved in any type of like anti-MLM content or anything like that. And it's, it's been so freeing this week because it came off the back of, I had a therapy appointment last Friday. And she told me, you really have to figure out a way to set boundaries mm -hmm. because even though you're no longer in an MLM, you're almost still acting like you are mm. because. Yeah. yeah. And that's hard. That is one thing that's really hard to 
like removed from yourself because you become so programmed to yeah. see everybody as a number. So like, again, yeah. that time freedom, like even if you're not working, you're walking through the grocery store and you're like, oh, she'd be really good at this. Oh, I should get her phone number. Oh, I should like, you're always yeah. scheming. Yeah. And, and, and you are really taught to put your life on social media. I mean, every, it's like, if you're not showing up in the stories on Instagram, you yeah. got to make sure you're always showing up, always in people's very feeds. Fun. Yeah, use yeah. everything as a content opportunity. And looking back and being like, wow, I can't believe how much I was sharing with the world and not actually enjoying or how much yeah. I was putting my kids on stage, you know, against their will, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's, that is ever, hard. But, I barely ever show my kids anymore, you know? No, and either. if I do, and if I do, like I am first, you know? Mm -hmm. My son the other day, I took a photo of him and his cat because his cat was laying a certain crazy way. And he was like, mom, don't put that on the internet. I was like, oh, I'm not. I was like, I just took it for us, you know? Yeah. And he was like, and he looked at me weird because he's my 19 year old. He's yeah. going to be 19. And he was, he's seen me in the past eight years share everything, you know? And he just looked at me like, oh, okay. You know, like yeah. he really doesn't just for content anymore. I really yeah. just wanted to have that photo. And, um, so yeah, it, it is really hard. How did you, how did you fix that? Like, or are you still struggling with that? No, I, I definitely feel like I've completely, you know, I, I think I've been yeah. out long enough. And also I had such a long period of time where I, even when I was in, I really stopped doing those things because they felt uncomfortable and yeah. I slowly, you know, divorced myself from the MLM. So yeah. I stopped posting on social media about it. I stopped putting my kids on stage. I stopped doing all that stuff. And uh -huh. so I really got that out of my system, which then allowed me to see how gross it was. Cause then I saw yeah. other people doing it. I'm like, Ooh, or I'd see the memory come up on Facebook and I'm like, Ooh. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm very intentional about like, I have a personal Facebook, a personal Instagram that just is like extended family friends that we don't live around. Yeah. And that's where I post like the graduation photos and photos. And then I have my business account and yeah. then my kids are not on there. You know, it's, yeah. they are not content. They are not to sell anything like that. That's my family. People know I have kids. They don't need yeah. to see pictures of them. They don't need, they're not content. Yeah. And so I, I have really have come, I've done a complete, you know, 180 in that department because I've seen how really damaging and unfair it is. Yeah. 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 You're right. And I think I've been, I've been uh, struggling with this for the past couple months that Facebook is where all of my family is anyways. Yeah. So I think um, I, I the other day I was toying back and forth and I said, you know what? I think I'm just gonna make my Facebook private. Nobody needs to go onto my Facebook. Nobody needs to see anything that I'm doing because usually the stuff that I share is on Instagram or TikTok, those two mm -hmm. things, you know? Um, so those are a little bit, you know, I, I want people tips of how, because I've had people on here before where they're like, I just feel like I need to consistently show up. And I think for me, what I did this week, uh, a social, I called it a social media detox-ish because mm -hmm. I didn't really completely go off social media, you know, but I didn't really feel the need to have to go and see what everybody was doing that I could share and call them out for, you know? Right. I find myself so trigger, triggered, especially right now, because I'm working with a registered dietitian and a therapist and all this, I find myself very triggered when I go to like certain Beachbody coaches or Ugh. we'll call her a fitness influencer because she's not a super trainer, you know, like she has no certifications, but I find myself very triggered and, and I'm like, I have to figure out a way to be able to share what they're doing, but also back off because it's triggering me to where it's making me worse and not helping me be better. Yeah. Um, I found that when I was, you know, I interviewed a lot of people for the book and obviously yeah. did a lot of social media deep dives for the book. And I would, I would have to take breaks because I found myself just getting angry. Like yeah. of number one, angry that these people were doing this and being victims of this. And number two, that I did this. 
you know, yes. it's like, oh my God, I was that person. And so I have to really take care of myself and, and remind myself like, okay, that's why you're writing the book. That's why you're putting this out there. This all is yeah. to an end. And, um, but that's hard because yeah. you're, you're in the position where you're, you're calling out this predatory behavior. So you have to look at it. Yeah. And it can be very triggering. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know that you have other books. Yeah. What was your, what was your first book that you wrote? Yeah. So my first book's called Highlight Real, Finding and Recovery Beyond the Filtered Life. And yeah. that really was kind of what started. I mean, I was kind of exiting the MLM anyway. Um, yeah. But when I started writing the book and started, I, I started doing certifications for recovery coaching and facilitating addiction awareness. And I realized that that's where I wanted to go, right? That was yeah. going to be the next thing. So that was really the springboard for me to um, kind of get out of the MLM. And so I, I really wrote the book based on, again, my story, what I had learned. Um, and because recovery and memoirs had been so helpful for me and I wanted to have another story out there. So I wrote the book at the end of 2019. And then of course, COVID yeah. happened beginning of 2020. And yeah. um, so that's, that's really when the pivot happened. When I started, you know, I ended up uh, starting a group for sober women. And um, that's really when the, the MLM came to an end. So really writing that book, you know, had I not book, obviously had I not gotten sober, I wouldn't have written the book, I wouldn't have left the MLM. Yeah. But but that really helped me realize like, wow, okay, writing stories um, really helps other people not, yeah. you know, feel less alone, feel seen, and realize things about themselves and the world and society and our culture. And so that's really where this this current book came about it was like I wanted to do something because I had been so involved in this insular world of MLMs and you know culty and it was so manipulative that I wanted to do something as loud on the other side. Yeah. 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 So you what what do you think was the tipping if you don't mind sharing this because um I know that you lead a, a sober recovery group. Um mm -hmm. and I, I know that you are very big about people who have like certifications that can actually share and can actually help. So you're not just, you're not a sober coach. You're just a sober, sober group, correct? Um, yes. What do you think, what, like, so I think for me, this is an uncomfortable subject for me because I, I don't like, I don't down people that drink. I don't, you know, yeah. because I know I grew up with an alcoholic, so I do know what it can really entail and why they can be that way and how hard it is for them to get over and get help. But for me, I've kind of struggled. I wouldn't, I don't know. So I'll just say it. I've, I haven't struggled with alcohol my whole life, but I've always um, thought that I needed to have be drunk in order to have fun. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. and so it's led to me having a really unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, I mean, during 2020, during the pandemic, I probably drank every single day. I mean, yeah. every day. Um, after I got off, I would always have a, a glass of wine or I had box wine. So mm -hmm. however many glasses I wanted, you know, but really in the past, year it's weird because ever since I've left beach body and I don't really focus on binging and restricting anymore um I used to always look forward to getting drunk on the weekends because I was able to treat myself you know yeah. and I would get like drunk or you know and have the hangovers but now I don't like the way I feel when I'm hungover and I'll have like one drink or whatnot, but I am not like, I don't really find myself craving it anymore mm -hmm. or wanting it. I don't know how to explain it to people. I wouldn't say that I'm sober, but I would say that I definitely do not drink like I used to, which would yeah. have been every single weekend. Well, and the, you know, just hearing you talk, it's like, again, your intuition came back online. Because yeah. here you are repeating all the stuff. And it is like a very known fact that Beachbody is like the worst at yeah. being health conscious and then giving cocktail recipes, right? Like, yes. And and so much about alcohol. And this was this was really my whole message and platform was it's all about informed consent. 
because yeah. again, women are not offered solutions. It's like, oh, you're stressed. Here's a glass of wine, mommy yeah. juice and all these messages given. So of course we think like, that's what cures our anxiety. That's what makes us fun. That's what makes us whatever. Yes. And we believe these things and we don't actually listen to like, actually, this makes my anxiety worse. Or actually I feel like shit in the morning or actually. And so here you are saying like, okay, once I stop listening to all this other stuff and listen to myself, now I hear these messages and that's what, that's really what it's all about is that informed consent and knowing what alcohol is. It's legal. It's there if you want it, but like not, you know, taking on what other people are telling you. Yeah. And, and you know, I used to believe this is the craziest thing. I used to say, I need to have a glass of wine at night so that I can go to sleep. Mm -hmm. When in reality, it actually makes you sleep worse. Absolutely. And I never knew that. And now, I mean, I do still have trouble sleeping for some reason. I, I, once I get to sleep, it's almost like a toss up if I'm going to stay asleep or not, you know, yeah. but now I just take a Benadryl because yeah. I have allergies anyway. So I'm like, might as well just take a Benadryl and then I can go to sleep. I'm not drinking alcohol. You know, yeah. I don't down people for drinking alcohol, but I have definitely seen how we use it as a crutch mm -hmm. and how we really glamorize it. You yeah. know, it's so taboo to talk about if somebody is going to take an edible to go to sleep, you know, or to just relax and unwind, but it's not taboo to tell them, go ahead and drink a glass of wine or a couple glasses in order for you to relax yeah. and unwind. And well, I don't it's, understand. It's the only, is that. it's the only addictive substance that people expect you to be able to moderate. I mean, can yeah. you imagine someone saying like, if you were like, Hey, I'm going to quit smoking and someone yeah. saying like, are you sure? Like what right. about just one or two cigarettes once in a while? Like nobody would ever say that, but we're, it's just in our society. And I do think it, it, especially in the last couple of years, it's changing as all the data that came out of COVID with, you know, more people dying. And I mean, there was just a really big influencer who mm -hmm. just passed away from alcohol. Like, like, like oh. there's, like, there's, it's in the media more. People are paying more attention to the health yeah. effects of it. And there's a lot more non-alcoholic options. Restaurants have more non-alcoholic options. So I think being sober or drinking less as a health choice is becoming more mainstream. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy about that. It used to be very much black and white. Like you're, you're yeah. either a person who can drink or who can't. And that's just not the case. It's not the case. And a lot of people don't understand that when I try to tell them because I was even my husband noticed it, you know, my husband mm -hmm. was like, Cheryl, you don't, cause he's never been a drinker. Yeah. Hardly at all. Um, maybe if we go out like, you know, and celebrate our anniversary, he'll get like a cocktail or if we're with friends, he'll get a cocktail or have a, a beer, but he's never been huge drinker, you yeah. know? And, um, he said to me the other day, a couple weeks ago, he was like, do you, when I go to the store, do you want me to get you any like seltzers or anything like that? Like you, I was like, no, I'm good. And he was like, you don't drink like you used to. And mm -hmm. I was like, I just don't have the desire to, you know, and mm -hmm. not that my life has gotten any less hectic. It's yeah. just that I do not. And I hate the way I feel the next day. Mm -hmm. I, I literally will be hungover for five days. If, and I don't like that at all. Yeah. Um, so when you got uh, out of your MLM and you started your sober, um, your sober community, uh, I know that I did want to ask you a couple questions about this. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that because I know that when I was in Beachbody, one of the things that I was told is go to Facebook, find groups and communities, share some interests of yours yeah. and make friends. And that's how you'll find people. Yeah. Um, and I think this is the, the grossest part of an MLM. I think that and now, especially because I used to do it, um, but preying on people who are sober or trying to drink less or looking for a community for people to help them. Because like I've said, I've been around alcoholics, I know the vulnerability, vulnerability of them. I know how hard it is to stay sober. I've watched it my entire life. Do you have people that do that to your groups? So, yes. So I, our group was on Facebook first. Yeah. 
Um, and we, I, I took it off Facebook and we're on like a private, you know, app platform now, oh, okay. um, because it was just riddled with that kind of stuff. It yeah. was, and, and I got complaints all the time. In fact, you've done an episode about one of the women yeah. that, uh, who was recruiting people into her beach body slash sober coaching program where yeah. basically she was just selling them shakeology. And, and it, I mean, just it, it's. It really is. It's like, oh, uh, this is, I'm sober too. And I've got the side gig. Um, yes. I couldn't, I could not, it was not a safe space for sober as people. You're, as you are, I, I call you, I consider you an expert in this field because you know more than I do. I'm not, so I don't want people to come at me and say, she's not an expert. I just want people to understand. I consider her an, you an expert, Emily, because you have been through this. You know this. How dangerous can it be? for someone who really needs to get sober because they can't have, because there is no, I mean, we just talked about the whole entire, you can either be sober or you can just drink less mm -hmm. and be more mindful of what you're doing. But let's say someone really needs sober because it really is affecting their day-to-day -day life, their mm -hmm. job, their kids, their family. How dangerous could can it be for them to not get into to get real help mm -hmm. versus join my MLM and this will help you. Yeah. I think it's really, it's really hard on social media to figure out who's real and who's, who's not, because yeah. you'll see people say they're a sober coach or whatever, but don't look into their certifications and you, you just see their pretty content and you're like, Oh, this is really inspirational or whatever. I'm going to yeah. join their group. So I think again, it comes down to a consumer awareness thing. And I, I think yeah. the, co the coaching industry is, is very under-regulated, which is hard. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you're in that position where you want help and say you're, you know, you're working a program or you've come out of rehab or what your life has kind of fallen into abject failure for a reason, you've got a DUI, whatever, and you yeah. find someone who's offering you a lifeline you will be vulnerable to whatever they are selling. Yeah. And so even if it's just like, Hey, I'm going to be your, your accountability partner, or I'm going to be your sober coach or whatever. And then they're like, Hey, by the way, these products also helped me. You're going to be vulnerable to that. Yeah. And, and so I, I just, it, it's really sickens me. And, you know, on social media, I see this all the time where, uh, you know, we're selling these coaching programs and they're including their Arbonne or their, they're even their makeup products yes. or whatever. And it's like, don't do that. That it's so manipulative. Yeah. Because when you're, I know part of the way that people do stay sober is they, they have to have a, a sponsor that they can talk to when they are feeling vulnerable or, I mean, even a community of people that mm -hmm. they can go to and that they can trust. And you have that person who is really just there to sell you their product without any sort of background in being able to actually help these people. It's so problematic. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you're right. I did do an episode um, on a particular person that I found and I ended up, it was so it was so deceptive that I had to reach out to compliance to find out if that person was actually a body. Mm -hmm. yep. And the other part that really stood out to me is I don't think that mainstream media understands this part of the world because mm -hmm. she was highlighted in like a Today Show article or some type of article about being a sober coach and a fitness expert or mm -hmm. or and i'm just like that's another part that really needs to be they need to be aware of these types of things before yeah. they actually platform these people because they don't understand the harm that they are doing um so with your book you talk about your experience are we i want to ask a question about because you do ha lead a sober community, do you have any books in the pipeline about that coming down the road? Um, as of now, no. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens next. But 
Yeah. Um, no, but it's really informed how I run the sober community because yeah. when you, when you go from, you know, predatorily selling things to yeah. then having a community and then having, you know, money involved in that. And like, it really has informed how I do things like yeah. that. I have a sliding scale. I have scholarships available. I have, you know, everyone can access it if they want to. I have free resources for everybody. And, and yeah. so it, it has definitely informed how I run that. And I'm always open to feedback. Um, yeah. And, you know, having been in the MLM has, I think, made me so much more aware of the way to not do things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have a question because you did just talk about like, you know, there's a sliding scale for your yeah. group. And, and I'm sure that you've heard this before because I've heard it already for myself. Um, what do you say to people that you, you are against MLMs and them, you know, selling things to make money, yeah. but you are actually gaining income from like your book or your, your group that you have online. How do you combat that? With yeah. People? So I think there's a few different things to say about this is women deserve to get paid for their work and what they're trained in. Right. You know, yeah. I'm a cert certified person. I pay for a very expensive platform that needs to be paid for. Right. Yeah. And so, um, again, like there's, there's free options. And then the only reason I have paid options is because that's what women have asked for. Like, Hey, can we have more coaching? Can we have a book club? Yeah. Can we have this? Can we have that? So there's a fee associated with that. If women yeah. can't pay, they get a scholarship, right? So, you know, the money organizations need money running through them to work. Even AA, yeah. even AA, yeah. which is free. You know, I, I put two bucks in the basket every time, like, right. They need money running through them. So I think there's a disconnect between people need money running through them. People deserve to be paid for their work. Right. Yeah. But what are you getting out of it? So in yeah. the MLM, it's not like you're just selling a product. You're getting people into their cog in the wheel. You're getting people into this system and who is benefiting from it. So you look at like sober mom squad, for example, who's benefiting from it. So the people who are doing classes like the EFT tapping and people who are doing coaching are the ones getting paid and yeah. who's benefiting the people in the classes, right? How about yeah. in an MLM who's getting paid the corporations, the few people at the top. Yeah. And those are the people who are benefiting who's paying everyone at the bottom who's losing money. Yeah. Look where the money flows. You look where, where it's going, who's benefiting, right? So there's a big difference. And then running, you know, selling a book, you know, again, writing <laughs> is a job, writing yeah. is a job. So selling a tangible product to someone once, like selling a $25 book is different than selling someone something, recruiting them into a monthly auto ship, you know, yeah. bugging them to, to join the system and then what sell books or whatever, like that's, it's not the same. And so differentiating yeah. between sales and multi-level marketing, it's the multi-level that makes it deceptive. So it's yeah. just, it's apples and oranges. It's not even the same thing. And women yeah. deserve to be paid for their work. They, they do. do. And in an MLM, you are an unpaid contract worker. You are not yeah. paid unless you sell something or recruit someone. Yeah. 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 And, and I agree. I, I struggle with this myself because there was a time that I did put like subscription part for my podcast. And then I quickly turned, took it away because I felt bad for it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't know why I felt bad because I was like, you know, I do these podcasts every single week. You know, there are expenses that happen with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to pay for a Zoom that I do my interviews with. I have to pay for my software that I use now that helps me edit the podcast with, you know? Yeah. And so I felt bad and I think that it was because I was like, but I just don't like asking money for people from people anymore yeah. because I feel bad that I'm trying to sell them some type of scheme, but I'm really not. I'm like, if you want to listen to certain things, which I'm about to, once I get done with school and once I do all that, that's when I'm going to dive into those things. I just, it, it is still a struggle for me to charge for my work, you know? For sure. Yeah. And I mean, and, I'll tell you, like, you know, a lot of 
publishing and publishing a book is asking people to buy your book, right? It's like, yeah. I'm so sick of talking about myself and asking people to pre-order, <laughs> but ultimately if money was my goal, I would have stayed in the MLM because yeah. the, the amount I was making per month the, in the heyday was more than I got on my advance of my book. So it's not about the money, right? Yeah. If it was about the money, I would have stayed. And that's why I'm writing the book. And ultimately I deserve to get paid for the work you know, the year time and it's so much work goes into a book. And it's so, it, it's funny because authors get paid very little. I think there's this idea that, oh, you know, authors yeah. make so much money. like it is a very, it is not a lucrative career. Like people write books because they love to write. Yeah. 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 I, I personally don't like to write right now. I'm in a class called story media and entertainment storytelling, and I'm having to write a whole lot of content and I just want to make pretty pictures. Literally, I'm, <laughs> that's all I want to do. I, I don't want to write stories. I don't want to do any of that. If I was to ever write a book, somebody would write it for me because yeah. there is no way that I would want to do it. it yeah. And so you do have to have a love for it, you know? Um, so my question for you is if you were to tell one per let's say that you know for your book people are obviously going to read it that are in this type of anti-mlm you know yeah. movement but what about people that are in the mlm mm -hmm. how do you think that this like how would you tell people in the mlm to to what it what they can gain from your book yeah so i you know talk to a lot of people who are in mlms and the feedback I've gotten since I even announced the book last year is people who are, thank you for writing this. Like, I, I really hate this. I hate this. There's parts of this that I don't like, but I need the money or yeah. but I'm afraid I'm going to lose my friendships. I think everyone, if, if they listen hard enough, again, that intuition, if you have anything in your mind that you're like, I don't feel good about this, read mm -hmm. it. And it doesn't mean you're going to read it. And at the end, you're going to quit. It just yeah. means maybe you can change something. Maybe you can learn more. Maybe you can ask more questions. Maybe mm -hmm. you can have a little more critical thinking instead of just copying and pasting what you're told to copy and paste and not listen to the what the you know haters say. Right. Um, in you know just having very small potential for for not being right. I think that's the biggest thing. Is like yes. if you read this book and you feel still very strongly about your MLM, then that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. But I think it's important information for people to know because it is not information that you are told when you're in an MLM. Yeah. Do you think that, um, do you think that people, this is one thing I, I also, people may not believe it, but I also do talk to a lot of people that are still within Beachbody. Um, mm -hmm. One of the girls that I talk to, every time she tags me in something on Instagram, people are like, oh my God, you're friends with her. Are mm -hmm. you sure? Like, you know, they don't, yep. they don't get it. And I'm just like, look, I do not support the MLMs. I don't do it. You know, um, I'm not going to dog someone who that is what they do. But I'm also not going to be the one who's going to say, you know, I think that this is right that you're doing. I will, if you can't, I'm going to tell you, listen, that's a little cringy, you know, and that's where the problem lies. How do you think MLMs could be restructured to be a good model? The only way they could be restructured is to make them single level. It's yeah. a multi-level that makes them you know, they yeah. should be illegal in my opinion. And they're not just because, you know, there's so much politically tied up in them. Yeah. Um, but it is that it's the collecting of human beings that, yeah. that makes it cringy. And, and it's funny when you were saying you had a friend who like tags you and stuff, because yeah. I have, I have friends who are still in the same company who were at the top, who are yeah. And who are literally, it's the golden handcuffs. They cannot leave because now that they're the breadwinner now. Right. Yeah. And who taught, who believe, who, resonate with everything I say they still send me like screenshots of things people say right yeah and I have uh, uh, and you know they'll tag me and stuff or if I tag them and stuff or whatever like the other people in the MLM will come out right them, like how can you still be friends with her don't share her stuff how could you and that gate 
yeah. is, is really, I'm like, that, that shows you everything you need to know. Right. Like if yeah. you feel, again, if you feel good and comfortable about what you're doing, who cares what I have to say? And that's the thing, you know, and it's almost like, I don't understand why they feel like they can't. I know that we're out here or I'm out here and I'm sharing things that they don't want me to share. You know, I get it, but why, why not try to do it? Why not try to, you know, stop being the collector of people, stop lying, stop sharing misinformation, stop saying that your product or, or whatever is the end all be all for whatever you're trying to cure today, you know? Um, Because if they didn't, if, if they didn't make those outrageous claims, nobody would join. I if know. people knew the truth, nobody would join. If people because believed, it's, yeah, it's it's all it's it's expensive. First of all, mm-hmm. you know, when I think about what I used to pay when it comes to like monthly supplement, mm-hmm. I and I mean I've said this before on the podcast. I'm extremely privileged. I do have a good job. You know, I didn't always have a good job, like a job that could actually support my entire family, you know, mm-hmm. and when I didn't have that job that could help support the entire family, I was spending more money than I do now a month. And I still to this day have no idea how we, we ate, life got, didn't get cut off, uh, rent got, I still to this day have no idea how that happened. Mm-hmm. I really could not tell you. Yeah. I mean, the, that's one thing I think people don't realize is how much money you spend and every yeah. MLM would say, Oh, there's no minimums. There's no, and it's total bullshit because if there you is. make money, you have to spend money. And you are told yeah. that over and over and over. And I, the amount of money I spent was just alarming. Yes. Yeah. I told my husband the other day, I said, you know, if we, the amount of money that I spent just because I know I don't know for the whole eight years, but I do know from 2019 because in 2019 I did my tax was the first year that I got W or uh, W not or whatever, yeah. whatever it is, a 1040 form income tax form from Beachbody that I made $1,296 in 2019. Yeah. Okay. It was the first time in eight years that I had made over $600. And for people that don't know this, if you make under $600, you don't get a tax form and you don't have to claim it on your taxes. Yeah. But that was the first year. So when I got that, I was sitting there, it was 2020, right before the pandemic hit, you know, and uh, I was doing my taxes and I put that in and I was like, wait a second. My husband goes, well, you need to also add, you know, add up what you spent in 2019 you know and I started adding it up and it just kept going it was like over 10 grand yeah and I still to this day have no idea how I supported I still to this day have no idea how I supported that and it wasn't just like what people what I try to tell people is you don't just have to put like the stuff that you spend money on isn't just product yeah it's the coaching for the coaches that coach the coaches, yeah, you know? and conventions and events and, and tr- yes. these free trips that are not free. Yeah. Yes. Or even your monthly subscription for, you mm-hmm. know, because you have to make the best content or your, I mean, everything is a business expense, but you have to make sure that you're actually making money <laughs> and yeah. that. Like I said to you before, 2020, 2021 was the, was when it started like sinking in, but 2020 was when I joined my taxes. I was like, okay, I got to do something different, you know? And even though 2020 during the pandemic, I was still trying to shill it. I was still trying to sell it. I was still trying to sell the dream. I still was not as cringy mm-hmm. as I had been in the past because I had started to see, oh, I'm spending money here. This isn't, I'm not making money. So therefore I'm not spending money. Yeah. And then I started like slowly backing off. And so a lot of people, 
you said it already, when you start to feel that intuition and you start to feel that little voice, you really need to start leaning into that and listening to it. Um, What do you think your ultimate goal with like your book, your, your sober, like what is your ultimate goal with your book? Yeah. I mean, I think my ultimate goal with, you know, my first book was really just to have another story out there for other people who were struck. Yeah. Um, and with this book, it really is, I think to open people's eyes about this insular world that most people don't understand and to understand how you're perpetuating it. Even if you're just buying a product, if you think you're supporting a friend, if you think, you know, whatever, like to understand how it really works and that it is designed for people to fail. And the people at the top make money because so many people fail, Um, you know, just to kind of blow the lid on, on, on what people think this is. And again, for all the people who have failed or told that it was their fault or who have quit because they, you know, had too much, lost too much money or put too much on their credit card and feel embarrassed, like to say, like, it is not your fault. Right. Yeah. Because there is an, an, there's a huge amount of guilt that comes from that because I, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I do know that the amount of money that I spent, I'm, I still think, what did I take away from my children in Mm -hmm. order for for me to buy that challenge or buy that product this month, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that I meet my personal value so yeah. I can get my commissions, you know? Yeah. Um, I would like to say that I would personally hope that this, that your book could also be like a go-to for, you know, how people now have the John Oliver segment yeah, where they send people to, you know, you might want to look at this because first this, you know, I think that that, do you think that that could be what your book is? Like it could be used as a tool as to say, Hey, maybe read this. I hope so. Because, you know, again, it's my story and it's also all the publicly available information that no MLM will tell you to go look at. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, when people, I know because I know you know this and everybody else that's been in an MLM, we have our blinders on, you know, you're, you're in, I say you have a cloud or a a cloud over your head that, or a film or it's blurry something. Do you think that people that are at the top, I'm going to say it and I hope I don't make anybody mad, but I'm going to say it. Do you think, I personally believe that I know that you have like a cloud and you want to believe that what you're doing is really good. You know, at the very top, some people are the breadwinner now because they are the financial person. How do you think people deal with the fact that they know what they're doing, but they continue to do it every single day? I honestly think most are so brainwashed and they've been repeating the same thing for so many that they really believe their own bullshit. Really? I think you have to be so, you have to be so um, siloed at the top. And, and I think even if there is that inkling, they will never let on because their whole organization will crumble. So I think it's hard to know because I know some very, very intelligent people who are at the top and I see the things they share still. And I'm like, there is no way she believes that. But at the same time, I believed it and shared it. And so I think there's just such a level of coercive control. There's such this level of fear of my entire paycheck will go away Yeah, um, that they cannot stray from what they've been saying for so many years. So I think there is, it, it's both, yeah. it's, it's brainwashing. And I think it is, you know, some blatant lying too. Yeah. Because there are people, I mean, and I'll, I mean, I'll, everybody who has podcast knows that I usually just focus on Beachbody and I only focus on Beachbody because it's what I've known for eight yeah. years consistently. There are some, I mean, I was in, it works. Wow. That one's probably the one that ruined me with like, Hey girl messages. Yeah. <laughs> I remember going from the alphabet on Facebook oh, and just yeah. messaging everybody. But 
I, I consistently look at these top leaders like they really do like do they like it almost makes me mad because I'm like do they really believe this but I, I appreciate your input because I haven't really met with a lot of people that were top leaders that have left I think I only have met with one other person mm-hmm. and that was a girl from Op- Octavia you know yeah. and um it does give me a little bit more insight to maybe show a little bit more of empathy and give more grace because they don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, um, did we cover everything that you wanted to cover here on the podcast today? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I think kind of just to continue on with like the people at the top. I mean, I think one of the, one of the things you ask, have to ask yourself if you have any inkling that maybe your MLM is on the up and up or you feel cringy about it or whatever is like to ask yourself what would happen if I quit today yeah and I think that will tell you a lot because the fact that when I quit and especially when I started speaking out about it the number of people who went from you know loving me and sharing me and like you know putting me on this pedestal to walking me I'm a hater I'm a it's yeah. that that switch. It's like that will show you how how brainwashed people are. Yeah. Um, and if your fears are, oh, I'll lose my friends, um, I'll lose time, I'll lose. Like, ask yourself what your fears are, and then yeah. really do more digging into that. And, and ultimately, understand like if you're at the top, if you're at the bottom, wherever you are, like it's really not your fault for falling for this scam because. Yeah. It is so alluring and we don't, again, what other options do we have? And it seems like a great option. It's not, but don't fault yourself for, for falling for it. Just look at ways you can, you know, kind of minimize your involvement or remove yourself altogether. Yeah. I absolutely love that, Emily. I really do. Um, I am so excited for your book. I literally... You're, and I think I told you this before we started recording, but I have been so nervous about this <laughs> interview for a month now. When I asked you, it was because my people on my Instagram actually gave me the courage to ask you on the podcast. I have enjoyed, you know, building a relationship with you all online. And I, I'm so excited for your book. It's probably the first book I've ever pre-ordered, to be honest with you. Oh, yay. <laughs> um, it really is. I I wanted to ask you this. Do you, I know everybody has podcasts. Every yeah. person has podcasts. But do you foresee a podcast in your future for like the sober community or? I love? don't. I don't. I, I think I know I've been on so many podcasts and I know so many people with podcasts yeah. that I'm like, I'll just be your guest. Like I have, oh, yeah. that's one thing I have no interest in doing myself, having a yeah. podcast. But so yeah, mark my well, words. And when, no. And people don't understand, like when people say everybody has a podcast, it, it does actually work, you know? It's a that's, lot of work. It is a lot of work. You'll, you'll go on and you'll see, I think there's, I can't remember the statistics or whatever, but there, I mean, there are over, there's a lot of podcasts, like 8 million podcasts, but they're, there's, uh, I think like a third or a quarter of them are actually active podcasts because yeah. people start it and they don't realize how hard it is. Um, and especially, you know, for, I do this stuff part-time. I do this, yeah. you know, I have school during the week. I don't do anything else but school now. And uh, yeah, so I get it, believe me. And I also couldn't imagine, you know, what it would take for to write a book either. Um, do you have like a tour coming up for your book or I do like that? Okay. I do. So I will be in Los Angeles, Bend, Oregon, which is where I live, uh, okay. Portland, Denver, Seattle, Boston, New York, Washington, DC. Like I'm going to Chicago. I'm going to Oh, you're places. coming you're coming to DC. Yeah. That's close to me on the East Coast. Yeah. Where at when do you, um, do you know your tour dates yet or yes. can you, and it's, okay. it's all on my, uh, my social media and I can send you the graphic and stuff. So yes, yeah. yes, please do. Well, um, I will definitely be sharing all the links. I'm going to rely on you to send me all the links you want me to share yep. into the show notes. Um, I truly appreciate, you know, you coming onto the podcast. 
I literally, anytime that you want to come on and speak about something, feel free to just say, Cheryl, I just scheduled an, uh, a podcast interview and we're going to jump on, you know, this date or yeah. if you have an announcement you want to make, just let me know. I'm, okay. I'm your voice for you if you want me to, you know. Yeah, I love that. And I'm I sure always, after the book comes out, I'll have lots of good stories of people who uh, leave one-star reviews. So yeah, I'd love to catch oh, up again. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. Well, I can't, I can imagine it because I oh, get yeah. one-star reviews. I stopped at them. Oh, same, yeah. They made me feel so bad. And my husband was like, Cheryl, look at all of the good reviews. Yeah. Don't look at the bad reviews. Yeah. Those are people that are just not ready to hear your message yet. Yeah. And, but this is the thing. And before we leave, I just want people to understand this. When people share their story, just because you don't agree with it, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong or yeah. untruthful. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have to understand just because people don't see things like you do does not mean that you're right and everybody else is wrong. Yeah. You know? And I, I remember that's the thing is I, I've been on the other side. And so yeah. anyone who comes at me, I mean, again, I always say like 10 years ago, I would have thrown this book in a fire because that's yes. where I was. So I have empathy for anyone who that's their automatic reaction. And I would just say, yeah. have an open mind. Yeah. I, I tell people all the time. I'm like, if I, I'm one of the most outspoken people you ever meet, then I usually will go off on a rant on something that makes me mad. I would have 100% came across my podcast or come across my stuff on my social media and I would have called it out and been like and blocked and and been done with it, you know? Yeah. And so I get it. Um, but just, you know, I think that it this world could definitely use people to have an open open mind when it comes to things, you know, listen to people and trying to understand things that maybe you don't get in is something that everybody in this world can benefit from. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. so I will definitely put all of the things, all of your links, all of the stuff in your bio, in my bio. Um, I will also put uh, your sober, sober community links as well. I would really like Great. to share yeah. that for people um, because uh, I, I also really appreciate the fact that you just um, differentiated the fact that people can also be, Sober also be like sober curious, I guess is mm -hmm. what that is, right? Yeah. And and I do appreciate that because I'm kind of on that journey myself right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Thank you so much for coming on to the yeah, podcast. Anytime. I you. Thanks, so Cheryl. I do ask two questions and then I'll let you go. Do you would you ever join an MLM ever again, Emily? God no. God no. Never. <laughs> Never, ever, ever. And if somebody was to come across this podcast and they were thinking about joining an MLM, what advice would you give them? I would say don't do it. Uh, yeah. you know, I would say I would say do research. And by research, yeah. someone who is not financially motivated for you to join. Yes. So read my book or, you know, listen to the John Oliver podcast or, or episode Second, or. Yeah look at the FTC, right? like look at vetted sources of information because you are not getting unbiased information from the person trying to make money from you. Also the Better Business Bureau. Did you know that that yeah. for them too? Yeah, and it's oh, not good. Yeah. It's not I don't good. think that I just came across that the other day. And so I was like, oh, I got to tell people about this. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You're, if you trust the Better Business Bureau for businesses that you want to get, you know, give your money to, Yes. Store yeah. is also a really good resource. Um, all right. Well, I appreciate you joining me. I appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you so much. And believe me, you're welcome back anytime. Awesome. Love to come back. Thanks, Cheryl. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. I can't stop. I can't stop the recording. Oh. <laughs>
just yeah. going to drop the day that your book releases oh, because perfect. my birthday is actually the day after. So Aww. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So I, I wanted to make sure that that drops the day that your book releases so that people can, you know, perfect. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll okay. talk to you later. Okay. Thanks, Cheryl. Bye. All right, fam. Thank you for joining us on the Call Cheryl Hunt podcast. We hope you found today's episode informative and thought-provoking. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear more, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating or review. We'll be back next week with another episode, so stay tuned. If you have a story you'd like to share on the show, please do not hesitate to reach out to me at callcherylhunt at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at callcherylhunt or on my personal Instagram at at Cheryl S. Spears. We always welcome new voices and perspectives. Again, thank you for listening and we hope you'll tune in next time. Until then, take care and stay safe.